Good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise God. What a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, sunshiny morning it is in the Lord, right? You know, um, I really appreciate Jen's um, being open to what the Lord was showing her, and I hope that touched some of you that, or maybe you know people that struggle, because one of the themes in my life is that God's been faithful. Even in the darkest times and the most difficult, God has always been faithful. Before I get into the message, I also wanted to mention, um, some of you know this, most of you probably already know about Joyce Goodson and her son that went home to be with the Lord. Please pray for Joyce. She's had a tough summer. Not only has her son passed, but she's also had some heart issues and such. So please pray for her. And one thing that Joyce has always done to the rest of us She's always sent little handwritten notes and cards. If any of you feel so inclined, I think that would be really nice to reciprocate and send Joyce a greeting. So if you need the address, you can go online and get it out of uh, um, our directory or call the office. Another thing, and I don't want to beat beat a dead horse, but please, please, please pass the word. This is really uh, an important thing because... Most of the vendors don't even go to our church, and many aren't connected to any church. This is a wonderful opportunity to to rub shoulders with our community. Plus, remember, the community helping, I mean, not the community helping hand, Lakes Life Care Center will be here with a representative so that people can know what really goes on at the life care centers. There's a lot of uh, things going out around the media that is not true about life care centers. I know. I've worked with them. I've worked with... uh, Uh, post-abortion care for people, and you need to know the truth of what is happening. Also, you know, when we're talking about the voice of the martyrs, I wanted to share something with you because the Bible says when part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. You know, our young guitarist Trevor today couldn't play. Why? He had a cut on his finger. And you might think, a cut on your finger, big deal. But you know what? When even a little part is hurting, your mind is on it. You think about it. So when we think about those that are being persecuted for their faith, we don't know or understand how precious the word of God is until we don't have it. Like that um, lady and her husband that got that Bible. You'll hear so many stories of people in other countries that just hunger for a Bible. My sister in Uganda, people come for miles saying, do you have a Bible? I want a Bible. The word of God is more precious than we here in America can understand. So anyway, I'm going to open us up in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to really uh, take us And teach us what he has for us today. You probably notice a theme in the music of, in our worship, about even the anticipation of the return of the Lord. I don't know if we anticipate like we should. Every single day we should think, is today the day? Could it be today that we hear the trumpet? I don't know about you, but I think the American church or the Western church has been lulled into a sleep. We've forgotten. 
that our early church apostles eagerly looked for the coming of the Lord. So, Father God, I just thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for today. I thank you that we have the privilege to have your word. We have the privilege to be able to be freely gathered here to worship and pray. And God, I pray for those that are watching at home. I pray that they will get stirred in their spirit to want to come back and join us again. Lord, we need each other. We need to come together and to worship you. So Lord, I pray that you would touch them and if they can't come, bless them, bless them, bless them. But if they can come, I pray, Father, that they would come and be a part of us and us a part of them. I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that my words would not just be my opinions and my desires or something that I think is maybe a good idea, but, Lord, I pray that it would be your thoughts, what's on your heart. And I pray for everyone here today, Lord God, that we would reach out and say, God, what do you have for me today? How can we as a church be more impactful for the kingdom of God? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor Brad's been taking us through this series about what, what should we do about. Today is, what do I do about division in the church? And I, I know it's like, ah, oh, here we go again. But I want to bring this to a little different perspective. First of all, I looked up a list. These are the genuine things that people have divided in the church about. And some of them you're going to think, What? But there was an argument about the appropriate length of a pastor's beard. There was a fight over whether to build a children's playground or a church cemetery. Whether to install dividers in the women's bathroom. A dispute over whether or not a clock should be in the worship room or sanctuary. Dispute over colors of cabinets, carpets, walls, and other decorations. There was a petition as to whether or not the church staff should be clean-shaven, whether or not the church meal should be called called potluck or pot-blessing, arguments because someone brought cran grape instead of grape juice for communion, argument about what the church entrance should be called, narthex, foyer, or entryway, what to call the front of the church, altar, stage, platform, These are real arguments that people have divided over. They may seem silly to us, but people actually left their churches. I just want to say, be careful what and who we listen to. Because a lot of divisions begin by talking. I heard someone said, or someone told me, or I read. You know... um, The Bible tells us that what causes divisions can just be out of our own selfish desires, our own opinions. If you would, please, open up your Bibles. Actually, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living, but you might want to follow along. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17, and the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians about some things that were happening in the church. 
starting at verse 10, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me that there are quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos or I follow Peter, or I follow Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized into the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius. For now, no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I did baptize the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Friends, over the years, we have seen many, many divisions in the church. And in fact, it's kind of sad because the opinion of unchurched people is that... Um, the church is so divided. The church, everyone thinks they have their, everybody's interpreted di- different. And they're dividing over their allegiance, we see here, to different leaders. And for some of the non-church people, they make the criticism because they see um, there's a charismatic church, there's an evangelical church, there's a Methodist church, a Lutheran church, a free church, and so on and so on and so on. And even Martin Luther, in the beginning, he never wanted to divide. It was the people that rose up and divided. He wanted just to bring correction. So the silly arguments within our own church, we've experienced some. I mean, we've heard arguments about what the library should be called. We've heard arguments about whether we should have coffee, and if so, where and when. We've had arguments about music style. Some have argued or even left because we have the small group prayer, or some say, well, you're not praying right, you should pray this way, you should command, you should ask. All those things are peripheral. Who in the world is the author of division anyway? You know, we've even argued, should you have a U.S. flag in the church? Some say no. Some say yes. Some say we should have both, the Christian flag and the American flag. We argue about the times of the service, or the service is too long, or the music goes on and on. And Paul warns us about these meaningless disputes. He tells Timothy to not get caught up in petty arguments, and that's what they are. So where do these arguments come from? James warns us again that it comes out of our selfish desires. And I'm just going to confess something. I have a lot of opinions. And I think they're right. (laughs) I mean, isn't that true? We all think our opinions are better. And if you're like me, you might think you've got the best one. But the apostle here is telling the Corinthians, as well as us, let's seek to be united and not divided over trivial things. What is trivial? It's stuff in the church that has nothing to do with spiritual growth or the kingdom of God. That's the trivial stuff. But then, let's go back to the beginning. You know, before there were humans, in heaven, God had angels. 
And there was one angel, a beautiful angel named Lucifer. He was a worship leader. He loved the glory, though, on him, and he was jealous of the glory on God. And one day while he's leading the worship in the heavenly realm, he says, wait a minute, I should get that glory. And he was cunning enough to convince a third of the angels to follow him. And those angels became demons, and Lucifer became Satan. And they were cast down out of heaven to the earth. So then we come to the earth. And God created the heavens and the earth and every living creature. And when he made human beings, he breathed his breath into them. Satan was there. He was already in the garden. And he hated them because he hated God. And we were made, the Bible says, in the image of God we were created, male and female. He created us. And the devil looked and said, I hate them. They're too close to this God. And that serpent, Satan, was right there in the garden and he sees them. And he immediately attempts to do just like he did in heaven to divide. You know the story, Satan tempted Eve, and influenced by Satan, Eve went to her husband, and they both sinned, and it led them into death. So there in the garden begins the division, dividing people from God, husband against wife, brother against brother, child against parent, neighbor against neighbor, leader against leader, city against city, groups of people against other groups of people, nations against nation, and then every human against God. First, as a church, as God's people, there are things we must cling to. There are things that are absolute and we cannot compromise. And we must never divide over these things. And the first is God is our Father. He is our Creator He is the only true and the only true way and the only sureness we have. Jesus Christ is the only true Lord and Savior. He is the only way, truth, and life. No one gets to heaven except through Jesus. The divider-in-chief will always come and say, there can't be just one way. There can't. I mean, how can there be just one way? And he said, what about the person who's never heard? What about the people in the deepest, you know, I remember my dad used to say, what about those people in Africa and those tribes that never heard? What about the person that never heard about Jesus? What about, what about, what about? That's what Satan does. He starts stirring that question about God. Satan said in the garden, did did God really mean what he said? So from the beginning, he convinced people, that we know better than God. We're hearing that today. We're hearing that as the divider-in-chief, it starts to tell people, God didn't really say this is wrong. It's just a misinterpretation of the Bible. The Bible changes. God changes. We know from the Bible that God never changes, right? 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the divider says, I don't think that's really what that means. You know, that sin isn't really a sin. I mean, we can't help it, right? God didn't really mean that. Things he said he hates are the things that God loves. The things that Satan loves are the things that God hates. We need to think about this because the divider comes in, Satan, and he disguises himself with a coat of compassion. How can a loving God condemn you? How can a loving God condemn someone who just loves someone? I mean, there are 50 genders and killing babies. Well, think about the mother. And besides, they can't help it. We can't help it. Well, I have news for you. Every one of us before Christ came into our lives could not help but sin. If I did not have Christ in me, I couldn't help it. The only thing that helps us is Christ's spirit in us. For the Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I can say that if without Christ, what would restrain me from anything? Oh, woe to us, church, if we think that we are not capable of any sin. Without God, oh yes we are, even murder. Oh yes, even adultery. Oh yes, even the darkest or most perverted sin that you can think of, we are able if we do not have Christ. So let us not judge that world. They need Jesus But don't let the devil pervert your thinking and pervert the truth of God that they're not able to overcome this because they are by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Remember, Satan is a liar. He's a murderer. He is the divider. And something important that we need to realize because many in the Christian church have denied that there's a real devil. There's a move among churches to say, well, there's an essence of evil. He just personifies the concept of evil. No, the Bible says there's a real devil. He was a created being, and he was a high angel, almost like, uh, like you would see Gabriel or something, He was a worship leader. He was beautiful. But yet he was thrown out of heaven and he is not as powerful as God. Neither are the demons, but he is a powerful being. Let's not let that go unnoticed. He and his demons are real and should be taken seriously, not feared as God has us, but respected as they are powerful. God is superior over all, and Satan and his demons are limited. But if you remember, God gave him dominion for a season on this earth. The Bible calls him the God of this age. That's hard for us. I don't know why he's been allowed this, but he's been allowed with limitations. 
I want to read something to you from a study that uh, several of us are doing in my home. This is Dr. David Jeremiah and what he says about this. First of all, he says, Satan is the great deceiver, the great divider, the great destroyer. His strategy is indifference, ignorance, infiltration, intervention, and intimidation. So who is he? Satan, the great deceiver. There is no truth in him whatsoever. He, all that comes forth from his mouth are lies. He speaks from his own resources. He is the father of lies. We often say a person today speaks his native tongue, his native language, meaning that they, they know best the language that, it, that they can conduct personal and commercial business. For Satan, that language is lies. There is no truth in him. Everything that comes from his mouth is intended to deceive Lying is his native tongue. He's the divider. Satan's strategy is to divide and conquer. Now think about this. Those of you that uh, like nature and you watch a pride of lions, what do they do? They look for the weakest one and they divide. And they'll go after the weak one and conquer. That's the way the enemy is. He says he's like a prowling lion seeking whom he can devour. He divided pitting uh, Cain against Abel. He attempted, he tempted Ananias and Sapphira to d- divide their loyalty between God and money. Wherever Satan is at work, there is division. Satan is the great destroyer. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see that he destroys everything he touches. Remember when he was given access to Job, he even destroyed destroyed Job's wife's attitude towards her husband. He will destroy everything that is possible. What Satan does, his strategy is indifference. What does he do to the church? He makes us indifferent. We ignore him. We ignore Satan because we think if we ignore him, he won't bother us. He infiltrates. Yes, even in the church. You might not realize that, but not everybody that goes to church is filled with the Holy Spirit. And intervention, he will try to intervene in people's life, and he will intimidate. We see today, we see today that people's opinions have risen over the word of God. And I'm saying that for myself. I am checking on myself. Listen, friends, please hear me. Yes, I've always been opinionated. I didn't realize how much I was until these last few years. And yes, I like to make my thoughts known. I admit that. And yes, I, even as we look at this coming election, I believe we should be very well informed on issues. And then I think we need to prayerfully, prayerfully vote your conscience according to the will of God. But in the end, there's only one thing that really matters, and that is our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty. Jesus is the Son of the living God, and this Jesus who went to the cross and died for us as a spotless lamb, rose again from the dead, went to heaven, and he went to prepare a place for you and me. Jesus is coming again. Eric wrote that beautiful song, and I was sitting there thinking again as he was, that's almost like a, 
a theological uh, written statement for us to really just take in this Jesus. That's the main thing we should be looking for is his coming. He rose again. He conquered the grave. And instead of dividing and looking at each other's faults, we need to unite about the fact that he's coming. The Bible says encourage each other with these words. How can we encourage each other if we don't even come to church anymore? I'm sorry if I'm harping on that. People at home, please. I want to invite you back. I miss you. We miss you. It's easy to stay home, but I have to, I need my brothers and sisters. I need to hear and to touch, touch each other. The one thing the enemy has used was this COVID to divide. He kept us from coming together. In some places they said you couldn't even sing. Can't you see the spirit behind that? That's not God. He says if the stones are, if the people are quiet, the stones and rocks will cry out. I want to cry out so loud that they can't hear anything else. Because Jesus is worthy. Oh, friends, Jesus is coming. You know, they say what Peter talks about, um, or that he wrote that people say, well, where is this coming? It's things have always been this way. I even hear that in the church. Ah, oh, things have always been bad. I know that. But it's coming to a climax. We say the world is falling apart. I want to say it's falling together. God has a plan, and he's coming, and the enemy is going to be put under his feet. He's already been put under his feet, but he's going to be cast into the pit. So Satan will do all that he can to keep us focusing on peripheral things that have no eternal value. He'll try to keep us impotent rather than displaying God's power. Oh, my goodness. We should be displaying the power of God. Rather than going after the lost, he would like to keep us digging at each other. Rather than preparing for the coming of the Lord, he wants our political battles to cause us to see each other as our enemy rather than the true enemy. Friends, we've got work to do. Satan is behind the pessimism, fear, apathy, indifference, lukewarmness. It's just like in the days of Noah. Remember it says they were eating and drinking and giving and marrying just living life as usual, ignoring the signs. There's rain coming. They thought that was foolish. Rain is coming. Listen, we worry about climate. We worry about climate change. In the 70s, it was climate cooling. In the 90s, in the early 20s, it was warming. Now it's just climate change. Friends, there is going to come an end. But it isn't going to be us that does it. It's going to be God. He says he will have the final say. Our job is to keep our eyes on him who is faithful. Please hear my heart. You are my family. And I've been doing a lot of soul searching. I don't want to be divided from you. I'm sorry that I have allowed things of this earth to divide me from you. And if there's anyone here that I need to make things right, let's make it right. You are my brothers and my sisters, and I do love you. 
And I want to make a promise to you. I want to pledge with you, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, as best as I am able, to link my shield of faith with you. We are going to need each other to fight off the fiery darts that the enemy is shooting at us. Don't think persecution is just going to be out there. It's already coming. It's already here. It's just sneaky. It's just sneaky. Listen. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. He is the discerner. My sister Chris, I got to mention this again. Her and her husband are in Uganda. And they told me this, that when they were building this one woman's house, they had a family of like 17 babies sleeping in the dirt. She went to help clean worms and, and infestation on their feet and legs. And they decided to build them a house with several bunk beds just to get them off the ground. A young man was watching them and said, are you Islam or born again? And Chris said, well, we're born again. He said, I thought so. By the end of their building, he says, I want to be born again like him and pointed to Nathan. Because they aren't seeing it in their community at the helping. But they're seeing through these the hands of Jesus. We've sent Bibles. And people are coming. And, and uh, I wish um, Tito was in here. Tito has given me several action Bibles. And I've sent them. And they're done in picture. Chris has sent pictures with these people, men and women, coming, paging through and asking questions. And most of them are Islamic. And they're asking about, who is this? Who is this Jesus? And just the other day, she sent another message saying, this little boy, he comes all the time. He, his dad is a drunk. He's never home. This little boy's only eight years old, goes home every night, sleeps by himself, comes over to Chris's so that he can at least eat. They sponsored so he could go to school. And he said, I want to be like Nathan. Friends, what if... We got ourselves so together here in unity, linking our shields, quit the grumblings and complaining and shooting arrows at each other, and we deflect the arrows, watching each other's back. I want to say, I have your back, will you have mine? So that people out there come and say, I want to be like Crossroads. Have you heard what's going on at Crossroads? Oh, friends, this is doable. We can do this. I want to just even say, you know, Jesus is not coming for a political party and he's not coming for a lukewarm church. He's coming for a fiery bride. Are we on fire? Are we on fire? Do we believe Jesus is coming? I know that I have a habit when I preach, I like some kind of action at the end. And I don't do it for drama. There's just something about action following a word. I'm one of these, I still like the old altar calls. That if there was somebody here, and if there is somebody here that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if you're not sure, please, please talk to someone here today and let's make sure, because you might not have tomorrow. 
people who have accidents. I think of Heidi Flum's husband coming home from a conference. He had no idea that he was going to hit head on to a 16-year-old that wasn't paying attention, and he was gone. None of us know. So let today be your day of salvation. But today I want to ask us to do something. And I want this to go out because I want to say this to Pastor Brad, to Terry, to all my elders, and to you. Can we link shields together? Our shields of faith. You know, when you see the old Roman soldiers, they, they stood behind their shields and others behind them. And there's always someone that needs to guard the back. We can't guard all around us, but we can help guard each other. We can even form a tight circle so that the enemy cannot infiltrate. There is a real enemy, but I'll tell you what, let Crossroads be a fiery, burning torch in this community. Then the world needs to know Jesus. They need to know there's hope. You said that this morning, Eric. They need hope. They need to know that our God is real. It is not just a nice place to go raise your kids, go to church. I heard that a lot in the 60s and even the 50s. You know, every child went to Sunday school, but it wasn't necessarily a fire filled. Oh God, I want to be filled. I want everything that God has for us humans to go out and represent Him in powers, signs and wonders, and the Word. Paul said, I do not just speak with eloquent words, but he also gave evidence of power. Let us lay hands on the sick. Let us see healings. Let us see deliverances. My sister, when I'm going out to Uganda, she said, I hope you guys are, are ready for this. When we go out to villages, there's a lot of demonic activity. She said, we bring our little pool, we fill it with water, we give the word, we baptize. Demons come out, and she said, it's not very pretty. But they come out of the water speaking in tongues and proclaiming God. Listen. Why don't we see that? Because we have become too intellectual. We try to intellectualize everything. Oh, I'm, I feel like I'm begging you to please lay everything else down, but pick up the cross of Christ and let's go forward together in unity. If you would, would you stand please? I'm going to ask, you might have to come forward, some of you, but I'm going to ask that you actually symbolically link arms with someone near you across the aisle. And if anyone wants to come up and link with me, I want to and make this promise to each other. And I, you know, I don't want to make an empty promise that we can't keep, but this one we can keep. We can do this. And to our elders and our pastor, I know our pastor's out shooting Bambi. Sorry, pastor. <laughs> no, I, I'm not against hunting at all, but I have a few deer in my yard. Please stay out of my yard. I'm protecting them. But let's link arms and say we will not be divided. Jesus, you are our Lord. You are the King of kings, and every other leader in this world is going to bow the knee to you, Lord Jesus. There is no one above your name. And we stand here together and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come.
Fill each one of us. Help us, Lord God, to love you so well and love each other so well that nothing can come between us. And may we promise to keep each other's back. And if we hear rumblings and grumblings, Lord God, I pray that we will not give them heed and we will come to you. Help us to pray. Help us to love for those that don't yet know you, Lord. And may Crossroads Covenant Church be a covenant church, a covenant made with you, God, that cannot be broken, and that, Lord God, I pray that you would flood this place with people who want to make a difference, and we look for your coming. Come, Lord Jesus, may you find faith on the earth, and may we be found faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.